Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Moms Talk Autism podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Sheena Leadham. So stay tuned and we will be right back. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Hey guys. Okay, what I need to know is who has a bird? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm cracking up. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) You guys, you guys. Um, So So we... we We have, let me just introduce her really quickly. We have um, sweet, sweet uh, guest on. Her name is Sheena Leadum. And apparently, she is not an exercise enthusiast. She is the bird watcher, the bird keeper. You have the birds, the bird, where are the birds? It sounds like we're in a pet store. (laughs) Yeah, they're just attracted to uh, this gym. Oh my gosh, that is enough. so funny. I just have to laugh because you're in like a, it seems like you're in a pretty solid, is there a window? Yeah, so we have doors open and then oh, like the okay. ceilings are so high that we have fans that are like outdoor fans, like an exhaust. Yeah. So the the birds like birds. chill in there and then they go yeah. out. So it sounds, yeah, very much well, like it's, an know, it's It's that time of year, <laughs> you know, they're just really excited and mating and whatnot so the funniest part Anyways. is that they were super quiet until we started recording our podcast <laughs> i didn't hear them at all oh my gosh it's fine we like the sound of birds birds are better than some things right yes, yes. okay back we, let's let's rein it back in okay you guys so today we brought on sheena hi sheena hello <laughs> um and sheena is from london no not in Europe, London, Ohio. <laughs> Does anybody know where that's at? <laughs> it's in Ohio. I'm just kidding. It is in Ohio. <laughs> um, and Sheena uh, reached out to us and we were just excited with all the things that she had to say about movement and autism and just kind of her story um, and journey in her career. So Sheena, I'm going to just give you the floor so I don't butcher what, what you're <laughs> what you exactly do, go ahead and tell our lovely guest. Sure. So I've just found a way to insert movement into the lives of children with autism. Um, mm-hmm. So early on, I felt that that was the way that I could best communicate. Typically, when you have a passion and that's what you're, what you're all about, it, it descends to whoever you're talking to or whoever you want to connect to. Right. So that's early on, that's what I found, uh, the way for me to connect to children and especially those that were autistic was through movement, recreation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So t- give us a little little backstory on just kind of you and your, um, I would just say like journey through exercise and how it became a passion of yours. Um, yeah. And then sure. we will go from there. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, personally, it was ingrained. Like I grew up with an older brother who was in soccer and he was into lifting. So he's, you know, flexing and showing me his muscles and and whatnot. And so that was like the early peek into this is something that I want to do because my bigger brother does it. Um, And then always playing sports in school to, you know, that led me to lifting. And then lifting in a gym led me to being surrounded by, say, power lifters. And then to the, the, crazy feeling of being able to actually manipulate your own body, right? Mm -hmm. So through your choices and your ability to control and discipline and make these choices that this output was so much better. Um, You thought better, you were able to be more social, uh, you had more opportunities, you looked a certain way. And that's, you know, that without even saying anything communicates to people. So that's where it really started. It progressed in college. Now I'm surrounded by like-minded people that love fitness. And now they're powerlifters, they're bodybuilders, they're just fitness folks. They're, they play for, 
you know, a college soccer team or whatnot. So then that hype just gets, it just gets more and more sophisticated. Um, so as a competitor at the time too, like competing in strongman, powerlifting, uh, I got into figure competitions and stuff. It's just, it's, it was fully my identity. You know, I knew too, as a teacher, the only way that I'm going to be a better teacher is if I take priority of my life and that I'm mm-hmm. fit and healthy. Otherwise, anything that I'm trying to do is going to be diminished. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so what, that, what is your degree in? So my degree, uh, I went to Edinburgh University. So I started off with health and physical education. At the time, you could get your concentration in recreation administration, uh, whatever that's supposed to mean. But <laughs> really at that point in time, it well, was Google like, that later. <laughs> yeah, Google that. Um, just being within that fitness community, teaching, you know, at, at 18, you're still trying, uh, actually I was 17, still trying to figure out what am I going to do? Okay, I'm passionate in health and I want to teach. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and it, it, looking back, it, I definitely learned some things there. Um, I graduated and still didn't know what to, you know, what am I going to do with this? And at that point it was like, oh, you better get your master's. You know, it's just like a, mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree isn't good enough. So went back and you know, the, the common denominator was I was going to teach in some way, shape or form. So I, when I went back, I got my master's in education. Uh, there I got certified to teach K through six grade. And, um, so that, that was my formal education. Okay. Yeah. So did you, from like that point, did you kind of think like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be in, um, you know, that elementary age education and teaching, you know, being like a PE teacher or, some kind of physical education. Um, and that's, that's it. That's my career. That's what's happening. Yeah. At that point, I didn't foresee myself as a gym teacher or physical education teacher. Mm-hmm. I think physical education teachers, they don't like the term gym teacher. Oh, but, yes. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I didn't see myself doing that. Um, at that point in time, I thought I was going to be your third grade teacher, you know, in a public school setting. And that's really what I envisioned myself doing. And I tried my hardest to actually, you know, in the actual district that I was in at the time where I did like my student teaching, I, that's what I was trying to pursue. And it was interesting because when I was in that pursuance, um, just like subbing and whatnot, like I always ended up in a classroom where there were autistic children. Um, whether or not that was an actual like special needs classroom or if it was say a a third grade classroom and they had one child and everyone knew in that third grade, oh, that's where so-and-so like she's in that classroom. Mm -hmm. So it was one after another. Um, and at the, at the time I didn't even know what autistic was. It was just not a term that was used. I didn't grow up, uh, you know, with kids that were quote unquote autistic, you just didn't, that wasn't something that was used at all. Yes. But I found a, like a commonality. I'm in a classroom. These kids are deemed as autistic and there were just, I, I saw commonalities, but I also saw just too, like how I was able to connect with them. The, the best way that I can describe it is like these children and compared to the other children that were surrounding us, they were on a a certain frequency Mm. is the best way I can describe it. And I was able to kind of zoom into that or just kind of get on that same frequency and and communicate and and get some headway. But um, yeah, I didn't seek out working with children with autism. It was just my professional work started to accumulate with autistic children and then it led me out of the classroom. Yeah, I love that because that's not, you know, I, I would say, and I'm assuming you're in our age range. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so I just very much so we we won't tell all of you how that how old that is. Um, no, but you know, when we were in school, there wasn't it. There wasn't this the you know, the phrase or the, or the, um, diagnosis autism was not frequently used, you know? And so for the three of us, I'm assuming it, that, you know, until Shannon and I had, you know, autistic children of our own and, and then same like you until you got into that and you kept, you know, 
getting more and more of these children um, that were on the autism spectrum, it was opening up a whole new world for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what from <clears throat> from what you could see working with these kiddos, was it something where you like, I want to stay in education, I want to do something specifically with children on the spectrum or... Um, you know, what were, what was the correlation between movement and these kiddos? Yeah. So, you know, I was within the school district and then summer comes and I have to still have work because I'm not a full-time teacher at this point in time. Like I'm just fresh out of school. And so two opportunities came up and they combined both recreation and children with autism. So the first position I was actually in a partial hospitalization program. So here was a basically your alternative school. And we had a mixed amount of diagnoses. So we had children that were um, had like schizophrenia to depression. We had autistic children. We had a whole slew of different diagnoses. And they just could not be catered to in their public school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started there. And so here, and interestingly, at that point in time, if I reflect, they were all boys Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I mean, we could continue to talk about that because there are some reasons as to why that is. Um, But a a room full of boys that are developing and they want to be tough and they want to fight, they want to exert energy and whatnot. At that point in time, like two, at that time frame, so that was about 2000 and eight or so, like different organizations were looking for those with master degrees. So it didn't matter what my background was. It was just like, oh, she has a master's degree. We're going to bring her in. You know, I'm sure she can help. And it was a better pay or whatnot. So I wasn't the classroom teacher. I was just like a behavior something or another. And so Mm -hmm. it dawned on me one day where I was like, okay, these kids need something to like aspire to. They're mm-hmm. coming into the classroom. We're not having any type of PE or movement or anything. We have like board games. Um, they have to do their studies and there's no outlet for them. And they're getting into trouble. They're having this adverse behavior. They don't know how to communicate towards each other. And so it was just uh, one day I just was like, okay, we got to do something differently. So it was, okay, guys, we're going to head outside. We're going to go for a walk. There was like a nature trail by the school. So we started our walk. And then after that, it was, okay, we're going to do some push-ups and we're going to do some pull-ups. So we did these things that we could actually measure. So then we had a board in the classroom and it was, you know, Keenan push-ups, he did five and uh, pull-ups, he did 12. And then all of the other boys, you know, listed. And so now the guys, like, and again, I say guys, but they were literally like five-year-olds to maybe like an eighth grader. So that mm-hmm. age age range. So what I saw is now they're coming into the classroom and they have like, they're motivated. They know there's something that they can actually do. It brought camaraderie against these boys that otherwise they didn't know how they fit together. They just knew that they weren't good enough or, or they mm-hmm. were bad kids. Deemed as, um, yes. Yeah, bad kids. Yeah. Yeah. And when you just kind of don't fit in anywhere, they everyone knows that feeling. Um, and so that changed the whole landscape of what we were trying to accomplish. And throughout the day, if we're in English, say their English uh, section of the day, you know, somehow we're bringing back into push-ups, pull-ups, or walk. So it was something that was just on their brain, and it really just carried us through the school year. Um, so, and then another another opportunity that I had was there was a an institute that's in Erie, Pennsylvania, and they catered um, lots of actual like social programming, but a majority of their programming for autistic children. But they had a, a position where it was um, like a summer camp and it was for quote unquote highly functioning autistic children. And it ranged from, say, five years old to uh, high schoolers. And so, again, this position, too, was looking for someone with a master's degree. I applied. And so here I am now in another situation and where this company is, they're infusing recreation and a social curriculum. So at that point in time, it was just, it was, you know, once being in the classroom to, it was, as you can see, it was just, there was a sophistication of all these different type of modalities, but focused on children with autism or some type of diagnosis. And so that's really, um, 
And then it just funneled into the next opportunity. So I didn't actually choose it. It's just what was actually available. And then it it actually complemented as far as myself and what I was all about. Yeah, I love it. Don't you love how, however you want to see it, God, the universe, whoever you, whatever you, led you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like these no plans. You just knew that you needed to have fitness be part of your, you know, um, regimen in in your whole life, whether that be your career, your you know, outside of your career, all of that, and and it specifically put you with, you know, working with children on on the spectrum. That is so. Rad. So tell us, did you, then are you, are we now teaching full-time? Were you teaching, did you go back to teaching or did you? Yeah, it's a good question. I I wanted to stay within that institute because I loved it because at that point I was working with classroom teachers. I was uh, working with clinicians and behavior specialists in order for this um, program to unfold and to be kind of whole. Uh, That particular institute didn't have any positions. And it was at that point they said, hey, have you heard of this this uh, gym? It's actually located in Chicago. And it's where it's just an inclusive gym. And they uh, 100% work, you know, with children with autism. And so that led, you know, one thing to another. I had an internship at this gym in Chicago that led to a, uh, a special needs fitness director position. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was the next adventure. And so there it was creating programming and it was a hundred percent fitness directed. Although we had other streams of like social and behavior and all the, the focus now was fitness and strength and cardiovascular yeah. work and balance and coordination and so ran like one-on-one sessions. We had group sessions. We also did a lot with um, the neighboring schools. So they would come into our facility and we would house their adapted PE. Okay. And uh, we also did things with like off-site where we went uh, to different, again, neighboring towns. And uh, for example, like there's this place called Airtastic. So we would create uh, we would use our framework of programming, but then we would be able to drop that into, say, a uh, a jumping facility so that the kids could experience this fitness program, but it was within a different um, environment. Yeah, so like, so, a, like, a tr- like a trampoline park or something like that. Okay. Exactly, yep. yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was there for about two years there, um, and so – yeah, so I I didn't go back into the classroom. It just mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. each each further step was uh, just kind of yeah led you to where yes, yeah yeah yeah. So so kind of tell us a little bit about that. With I mean you know Shannon and I are 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 the fitness enthusiasts here <laughs> in the group. I would say, and um, we know how important movement is for her and I, a, a neurotypical brain, um, mm-hmm. daily it's, it is part of our, our daily regimen. Um, and, and same thing with our spouses. And, uh, I mean, Shannon, you can go ahead and, and share too. If you, uh, the biggest thing I noticed with our son, my son, Jack, is that, uh, that deep input. And I, you know, I say that deep input. So whatever it is, um, pl- you know, doing wrestling during the school year, um, at home, we have a whole garage set up where he can do, you know, we've set up ladders where he can just swing from stuff and, and get that really deep physical input that will bring him, you know, from being up here, just spiraling out to, you know, to a very grounded level, a a level to be able to focus. And, and, um, for us, that was especially huge during, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't even want to say the word, the pandemic (laughs) when we were all trying to online, you know, we weren't teaching. I don't know what we were doing. I don't even know what we were doing in our house, but you know, we had to take those constant, breaks and go out in our garage so so that Jack could get that deep input so that he could then come back and try to focus on, you know, a teacher on the computer, um, which for a child on the spectrum, you know, and a child with ADHD is, it's near impossible, you know. Um, so how, how do you, what is that connection between, you know, the, 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 brain, body, the physical, and then, you know, the, the mental connection to that. Yeah. So more so kind of like the benefits of exercise in a sense. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So just looking at, we know just the benefits of exercise 
And how does that translate? Like at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have a brain. Uh, we have different inputs and outputs. How our, how our brain is processing that is different. And, and so, you know, without movement, then our brain and our body just what, what, what do we do if we don't move? Like we will die. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we have to move like that is the, the building blocks of everything. And so just looking at how many different ports or of research, we see like if we combine children with autism with exercise, we're going to see alleviated stress. These are the things that you just said, but mm-hmm. you didn't have to go into a research paper to say, oh yes, that's actually factual. Right. You're seeing it with your own son. Um, reducing stress, um, any type of like uh, self-stimulating behaviors, we see a drop in that. Uh, promotion of self-esteem. So now if we're, we're, if we're doing things right, now the child's going to find something that he or she actually likes and can do. And if there's peers around, other peers are seeing that. So now they're accepted, you know, mm-hmm. um, some other things like increased arousal levels. There's uh, more of a cerebral uh, blood flow, mm-hmm. um, neurotransmitter secretion, and that's going to benefit our cognitive performance. So when we're looking into the classroom and we're like, you know, Johnny's not paying attention. Um, he's having all of these different outbursts. Well, if we have some movement included in his regimen and it's habitual, we're going to see that he actually has like inhibitory control. He has some cognitive you know, flexibility, his working memories better. Uh, again, him fitting in, you know, as I said, if a child is non-speaking, we are, we already have, uh, a perception of that child that maybe not everything is, is happening in his brain or her brain. Um, or just if a child's autistic versus someone that's not autistic, that maybe they're not even, they can't even perceive how other people are, perceiving them. But mm-hmm. we see that's not the case. Like in, in some cases, they have a hyper, a hyper notion of how people are perceiving them. So if we can get these, our kids on, on the same playing level and they feel like they're included and they have some, some worth, yeah. then that's going to take us into that social realm, uh, which it all bleeds. So if, yeah. if, if our physical capability is down, that's going to lessen our ability to behave correctly, to socialize with the world around us. But if we bring that up and we make that um, habitual, then it's going to affect our behavioral, our mental, our social, just social, naturally. Emotional. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I just love it. Maybe we're just geeks, Shannon and Sheena. And- <laughs> but there is some, I mean, I mean, Shannon, go ahead and, and, you know, there is something to it. Like I said, you watch it with Gracie as well, Mm -hmm. you know, just that she needs that, Mm -hmm. that deep input. And I, and I would say, you know, there's probably a good portion of our audience that says the same thing. Um, I don't know, Sheena, have you ever worked with like occupational therapists um, or have you ever worked close hand with them? No, I have not. Okay. So, so I mean, same kind of thing where they are, there are, you know, increasing that movement and a portion of it has to do with the more that they increase that movement and that deep, that deep, um, input, input, uh, the children, these children have a better, you know, stamina and capability to focus and to do the work that's expected of them. Um, uh, and then even just on the occupational side of it, just the fine and large motor skill improvement, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I had a occupational therapist once. Um, we had some in-home occupational therapy put weights, appropriate weights, <laughs> into a box, an Amazon box, tape it up. And then during breaks, Gracie would push it through the house. Mm-hmm. Like Gracie still, you know, she'll be eight this year. She, We have one of those couches, a big sectional that has like the really big square ottoman that sits in front. And she loves to get behind that and just right. push it push it across the living room and things like that. You know, we need to get her outside every single day. If she's outside, that's one reason swimming is so good for her. Um, Things like that. And then for different ways for parents to be able to, you know, if this isn't something that they're already incorporating, we have it actually part of an IEP that Gracie gets sensory breaks. So she gets to go and go for a walk outside or she gets to go into the sensory room at school and bounce on the yoga ball. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's all these different ways to incorporate little things like this that give them the input that they're really looking for and it regulates them. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it allows them to go through an extended day, you know, where they wouldn't be able to otherwise. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's neat. And I think that we've been lucky to work with occupational therapists who've really understand, you know, understood the value of movement. Um, we even had one that had Gracie take, we have a bunch of different size dumbbells in our house and we would put the dumbbells on one side of the room and she had a big spinning like saucer device and Gracie would go and pick up the dumbbells and walk it over like farmer carry it over mm-hmm. to the spinning thing, set the weights on. And then once we had all the dumbbells and they were smaller dumbbells, she would then have to spin the saucer, you know, to be able to get the input from spinning it. Um, And it just seems silly, like, I think to an outsider who maybe doesn't understand, like, it probably seems very silly, but not only did it strengthen, you know, because our kids are known for weak core strength, like, that's one of the things that they are known for. So um, when it comes to we're strengthening their bodies, we're giving them that input that they need. And then they're also getting that movement that really everybody needs. Um, It's amazing the difference that it makes. Gracie lately has almost not been on screen time at all. She just doesn't even want it anymore. She wants the movement. She wants to be swinging in her bedroom. She wants to be swimming outside. She wants to be running around the backyard in circles, you know, pushing that ottoman. So I just think movement is so undervalued, (laughs) you know, like it really is. And Tosh and I are, we're big geeks when it comes to this stuff. So, well, I, I mean, <clears throat> Sheena, just like you were saying earlier, when you got into the, those programs with these boys and you could see there's all of the different behaviors, right? So whether they are diagnosed autistic or um, ADHD, wh- wherever they're at on the spectrum, um, you know, you're seeing though, you were seeing those big behaviors, right? And then you put them all together and they're all, <laughs> they're all, you know, working off of each other. And, and then it's like, those big behaviors times 50, you know? And so just seeing what you could see, I mean, that, that, that literal breakdown, that scientific, you know, okay, we started this movement, we started doing, and, and it changed for so many levels, correct? It wasn't just a, a, you know, physical, we're not having as many outbursts, but it, it was the camaraderie, them having something like you said in common, it's that social, emotional, it's, there's so many different components to it. Um. Yeah. yeah, that was something like in Chicago, predominantly where, uh, you know, new parents with their children would come into the facility and, you know, we would say this is what we're providing uh, programming wise. And they would say, you know, well, what about the social component? You know, we want to make sure that there's a social component. And it would always have me pause just a little bit because it was just a natural, you know, it, the social capacity just it was there already, you know, it right. wasn't an add on that we had to provide. It's just, it's just something part of movement that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, true. And I mm-hmm. think with our kids, kind of like what you were saying before, it's hard because we know that our kids are judged. They know that they are judged. And what are ways that we can really capitalize and show them these things that they're great at, you mm-hmm. know, so that they can realize, you know, that they are worthy and that they do have strengths. And I'm all in for anything that helps with confidence in these kids. Mm -hmm. And if you are at all a competitive type of person, you know, how you said having those push-ups on the board and they know, okay, my goal this week is I'm going to get one more Mm push-up. And every time they hit that goal, that confidence increases. Building it. Yeah. And our kids need that. Our kids need to see that they are valued and that they are worthy and that they are capable. And I just think it's so neat to do that physically because a lot of our kids are very strong. I mean, Gracie, God, I have to work out every day or I could never (laughs) keep up with her. She's intense and very strong. Um, And so I just love that you're taking that, you know, and capitalizing and showing them. Yeah, Sheena. So tell us a little bit. So, like, wh- what it is like right now that you do? What's the program? The 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 gym? All of that? Can you just give us a little bit of that daily stuff that you are doing, um, and how it's and how it's incorporating with with the kiddos that you're working with? Yeah. So since Chicago, I I actually had an opportunity. So where I'm at right now, Elite FTS. 
Um, if you're not familiar with Elite FTS, like we cater to strength athletes all around the world. The whole point is that we're getting, you know, the strong stronger, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so it, interestingly, when I took this position, my boss, he had a son that was autistic. And interestingly enough, he, like, so Dave Tate is my boss. And within that strength, the strength industry, like most people know who he is. And so it was like blasphemy that he couldn't get his 10 year old moving, you know, right. He, it was a, it was just a, um, a failure, so to speak, you know, and he'd be the first one to say, like, I just completely failed at that. I like suck at this, but it was just like, how can like everyone comes to me? I'm so good. I, you know, I've produced so many strong people, but he couldn't get his son to work out. So right. that was a bonus for me. So that was, so my day to day is where I'm like, I'm in the education field with strength and conditioning here at Elite FTS. And then, so what taxed onto that or was added to that rule was also working with my boss's son. Um, So for the past 10 years now, that's been like a long-term client of mine, which incorporated everything that I learned previously from all my previous experiences. Mm -hmm. Like it was my mission to get him moving. And I got him moving 10 years ago and we have our 5K, you know, this weekend coming up. So, so that then also got sophisticated because once I moved here, I had a, his name's uh, Dr. Brian Mann and he's out of, he was out of Missouri. I think now he's in Florida or Miami maybe. And he's like, Hey, you know, I know you live in London, Ohio. Are you familiar? You know, you really should connect with Dr. Beversdorf. So Dr. Beversdorf is a neurologist. He started off in Ohio State University. He created a pilot program there, which was for autistic college students. And it was a way to layer in just those life skills. And then also that social aspect. Again, there was no movement, you know, right. But so he piloted this program that that sits currently in OSU. And so I contacted OSU and was like, hey, you know, Dr. Beversdorf is suggesting that I come here. So that led to me volunteering my time and seeing exactly what was the university at the university level, how are they meeting the needs of autistic children, you know, autistic Mm -hmm. students. Yeah. And so their their program is in multiple tiers. Uh, Aspirations, so to speak, is basically what I just described. It's that life skills. So these kids are transitioning from high school to college. What skills do they need? They, They they like having an apartment and how to keep that clean to getting to class on time. They have programming where you actually have a mentor that will cater you through your experience, you know, as a freshman to a senior. And it's, it's that almost like that mom saying, Hey, did you get your work done? Okay. You didn't get your work done. How can I help you? So, and then to just all like dating to, um, you know, now it's time for you to get a job. How are you going to go about that? So that's, That is currently at Ohio State. And then there's little branches off of that program. That's where my role comes into play. So there is a group called Men's Aspirations. And so this was children that, quote, like they graduated from Aspirations. That might have been like an eight-week program. And so Men's Aspirations, at first it was actually Men of Aspirations. And then I was like, that doesn't make sense. You Mm -hmm. know, like, let's have some ownership here. So I change the title here. And um, so after a few observations of this particular group, they would, what their social outing was, was they would go to a restaurant and they would sit and eat and there was no talking. Um, It was like, can you pass the pepper or, you know, or now it's time to pay. So now we have this learning moment of, okay, this is how you pay and whatnot. But it was so unfulfilling, and um, and I knew from my past experience that I need to get these guys moving, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I reamped that entire program so that now it's we're like the exploration team. So when people are looking at you know should I do men's aspirations, the whole thing is like they're they're exploring uh, the you know greater Columbus area. So now using the programming which you know, we'll get into as far as like the power of a note and I can jump rope those, those two entities. This is where I'm 
scheduling a chunk of time, whether or not that be an hour, an hour and a half, with guys that range from 17 years old all the way to their 50s. Um, they're all autistic. They all have gone through that aspirations program through OSU. And now they're just looking to like exist in their world. Right. Yeah. And so we're no longer going to a restaurant and sitting and it just being boring and there's no connection. So like this upcoming, um, this upcoming weekend, we're going to a Metro park. Now the guys have choice. Like, so I basically just put it out there like, Hey, we're going to go hiking for three and a half miles. Those that are interested, they join us. And now, like, we're we're walking a trail, and the guys just are naturally talking. There's Having, no prompting. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. They chose to be there, so they they feel empowered because nobody said, "Oh, you're going to go there." Uh, they want to be there, and we accomplish our goal. You know, that's whether or not uh, you know at this point it is actually just getting through our, our, our walk. But in other cases, like we're bowling, we're, we're going to a, um, like a, I'm trying to think, um, like laser tags where we actually have missions, um, to maybe we're just going to a festival, but each, each situation we have like a goal of what we're trying to accomplish. And then naturally because we're moving and there's recreation and we're exploring this city that we live in and we're amongst guys that are like us in some way, shape or form. Um, it's very common that, you know, we'll see a guy, two guys standing and they're like, Hey, I like you. And, (laughs) and then it's, what's your number, you know? And, And there's no really other situation potentially that they would be, but because this schedule was catered to their day, they feel safe. It's something that they elected to do. We're moving. Uh, maybe there's going to be food somehow incorporated that social just happens. So currently like the full-time job that I have is that education, social, um, strength and conditioning here at elite FTS. Um, I'm also a teacher. I, I, I teach piano outside of my home, so also like cater to how many different diagnoses with my kids. Right. And then I work through OSU as far as that social programming, that recreational programming, and then training uh, Blaine at this point. Wow. How do we get those in this area? How do we know if those <laughs> exist? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. So first let me say, what what's your advice to like, mm-hmm. like Shannon and I being pa- parents to a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old um, of just kind of like where to start, how to start, you know, especially for those that are not... Um, just naturally inclined to be, you know, exercise enthusiast in, in their family, but, but seeing the benefit, you know, of, of what this could do for their kiddos, like where, where, where could they start, you know? Yeah. It's, um, a, it's a great question. And so just referencing a, a prior book that I wrote. So what I wanted to give to the world, so to speak, is like, granted, I'm only one person. And I feel like through all of my experiences, I've like, hit upon something that's just kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so the power of a note shares like this journey of a child that's disinterested in exercise a hundred percent. Now in your cases, like you've already said, like your, uh, your children, they love to move, they're moving. Um, and your son was in soccer and wrestling and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you're already like beyond most folks, but, so backing up a little bit, let's talk about those children that maybe they've had one experience that was awful, say in gym class, they couldn't do whatever they were supposed to do that day. And they're not an adapted PE. They're with 30 other neurotypical children and they're one child and they can't do what their friend is doing or what the people that are cool are doing. Um, so this story actually, it just goes through the process of, and so I've created this framework, but it's told through this story Mm -hmm. and then also breaks down all this methodology. The point of the story is that we actually see this because it's one thing to read a book and we're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have all these statistics and this research data and I know how exercise is beneficial, but what do I do? Especially for parents. Like, again, you guys are on a whole other level because you also find the, the beauty of exercise. But right. what about those folks that 
exercise isn't part of their life. Yeah. So how I how I break that down, and I'll just kind of share this through the story using Blaine. I didn't know Blaine when I first moved here, and I saw this 10-year-old who was just completely enamored by his DS. Oh, he just wanted to be on his DS. That was his main motivation. So at that time, his his father was like, okay, let's just get one more exercise in. And it was just, it was exhausting to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But so seeing, so starting off with that observation, you know, what what can the child do? What's he really good at? What What are his motivations? What can he do today? Also thinking about what are the child's strengths? What are their weaknesses? As a parent or a caregiver, what do I ultimately want this child to be able to do? Is there something specific? Do I just want them to have a better quality of life, you know? And so you're not, it's, it's, it's interesting because as a parent or just at anyone in general, you're detaching yourself from the situation and you're just purely looking at this child, you know, for what they are. So at that point in time, I'm just looking at this child as for what he is. And, and, um, I just, I'm taking notes. So that's another part of this thing is like taking notes, this anecdotal information, uh, you're creating this, like the storyboard from there based off of these observations, it's how am I actually going to communicate to this child? So in our, and it's, it's, it's kind of the same whether or not you're neurotypical or autistic in that everyone has a mode of communication that they prefer. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to come up to you guys and just like, hi, hi, I'm Sheena. I'm going to try to shake your hand. I take your hand. You know, it's that might just you don't want anything to do with me. Right. So just because we're maybe an authority or we're older, we have to really think about how does this child want? How do they respond to the world around them? And how am I going to be? Uh, respectful of that. So quickly, I realized that if I were to go up to Blaine and say, hi, I'm Sheena and introduce him, introduce myself to him, like maybe I would another 10 year old, he's going to completely, I'm going to lose him. Seeing that he was motivated by play, I knew that the my mode of communication had to be playful. And so within the story, what I do is I write on a piece of paper and I ask a question. I say, hey, Blaine, do you want to play a game? So I slide that across the table and he he's on his, his DS and he actually pauses his DS. His eyes get big, you know. And at that point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just got him, you know, mm-hmm. because he just he just ended his world where he feels safe and he's motivated and he feels, you know, powerful. So I was like, oh, I'm onto something. And so at that point, he says, give me a minute, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I just got him, you know. <laughs> so within the story, now it's showing 60 minutes Now we go outside and we I it's. The pro or like the actual schedule, there's a method to it. But from what you're actually just going to see visually, you're seeing um, a child going outside. We're playing on a big bouncy ball. We're doing planks. He's counting my reps. I'm counting his reps. Then we're we're moving to, say, a game. We're doing freeze tag. But now he has choice. He wants to incorporate zombie freeze tag mm-hmm. um, versus just regular freeze tag. Um then we have some rest and then we're back. We're doing some strength, you know, strength movements, but he wouldn't know that they were necessarily strength movements there. He's perceiving them again as play. Cause that's, yeah. that's the vehicle that we have to work with. Um, so 60 minutes goes through all of this. And then at the end, he, again, he has choice. And what does he want to do? He wants to show me his video game. So now he actually becomes like, the coach or the teacher and I'm fully accepted of it. And so now like I'm respecting him. I find what he's interested in to be like fantastic. And, you know, the last thing that he said was like, Oh my gosh, I think I lost seven pounds tonight. You know, this is coming from a 10 year old and it was from that night then. And then, and then we continue. So from there, because that, that observational piece was in. I knew mm-hmm. exactly where he was starting, what he was all about. I knew how to communicate with him. And we're going to get it wrong, right? But this 
this just kind of shows those those bolts as far as what's churning in this background, whether or not it's coming from you as a parent or, again, what you're going to look at if you go into like a fitness facility. Right. I know that this is out there and, um, you know, let's see what I can find. But then we actually get to, well, we get to our schedule, which was the schedule that I outlaid in that book, exactly what we did outside. Um, So that schedule is more of like, for example, just thinking about your situation as far as just looking on Instagram, like I see your son, Jack, and you are saying that he no longer wanted to play soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just like, what do we do now? You know? So and that and in those terms, it was doing all this inventory work. You know how to communicate with him. But now, what's this schedule going to look like uh, if we're going to incorporate movement on a habitual basis? And so in that sense, too, like he knew he, he you even said like he knew that he didn't belong, so to speak, like he didn't have like the skills of the other boys and he he didn't fit in. Like that was his internal dialogue. Right. So like what my job would be or what I would try to incorporate is, okay, he really wanted to play soccer and he tried because he, how long did he play? Right. So what if we had to, that was part of his, this uh, repertoire that we did, but now we're incorporating, we're like taking all these skills of a game and all gameplay and whatnot. And we're just bringing it down and we're just, we're going to build these skills. So he has this sense of like soccer in his life, Mm -hmm. but now we're just building because Again, if if we're comparing him to a neurotypical child, then we see like these these motor skills are just not there. Yeah. They're just not there. Mm-hmm. So how about within this schedule, like if Jack is motivated, I'm going to kind of include Gracie in there too as far as we know she likes to move heavy, heavy work. Like that's just how she regulates herself. So mm-hmm. if Jack too enjoyed that, so maybe our schedule would start off by Jack pushing like a heavy object. Like in our case here at Elite of TS, we'd be using like a sled or a prowler or something right, to push. Right. Not necessarily like an ottoman, but that was that's perfect in her home, you know? Mm-hmm. So starting off with what are the what is what is what does my child actually like to do? And we start off with that. Then the next thing, and this is all outlined in my book, but now we know that there are some um there's a weakness here in this case another thing that motivates Jack is, is soccer. So how can we, so maybe like those special exercises that we include early on after he already experienced something that he liked is um, like dribbling skills, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's just a matter of actually having some awareness. We're already assuming that Jack knows like his brain can actually go into his foot and how that operates and stuff. So maybe we actually have to go to a whole other level and we're just exploring like the foot, you know? So it's real. And and that, but that's going to be like huge, you know, uh, within this, this training, this training schedule. Mm -hmm. And maybe it starts off and it's only 10 minutes long or it's 20 minutes. But um, yeah, I, I like, just as far as a, a physical schedule, like that we're including endurance, strength, uh, a strength, we're including flexibility, coordination. Um, but then we're also layering what I call inserts, whether or not that's rest, uh, choice, um, food, um, all those types of things. And again, that's going to incorporate like the ownership and the trust and mm-hmm. play and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, but creating that schedule but knowing exactly where are we trying to go, I go back to Blaine and we actually did the same thing for an entire year. So that's something that we can't be afraid of. If our child only enjoys, say, two different things, rule with it. Yeah. Do it for a year, right? And then you're just building like all the – you're building a habit. You're building a relationship with the child at that point in time. And you're you're communicating like this is okay. Like what you're doing is fine. Um so we did the same thing for an entire year until we, it was an obstacle course and slowly I layered different things into this obstacle course where, you know, we branched out and we could actually, like, um, we couldn't do like our typical sets and reps, you know, it, it didn't want the repetition. Right. Interestingly enough, but wanted to do like the, the obstacle course over and over again. So 
I, I'm, I guess, kind of all over the place, but you're creating a schedule and it's incorporating all of these physical components along with our interests and our choice and, and, and whatnot. Um, but with a, uh, a central goal at the yeah. end, but knowing that that could take, it's not like, uh, you're, you're working for a year and then you're going to meet it. It may be a long, and you're just reassessing as you go. Right, right. Well, and I, I, I feel like everything that you're saying, this can be accessible to, you know, people may not have this in their area or they may not have the accessibility of even doing something like this and, and meeting with somebody like you. But these are just even small things that that they can do you can do in your own home every day. And, and like you says, it, it goes back to us parents kind of assessing our child and, and, um, and again, letting go of expectations <laughs> that we, yeah. that we have as parents, you know, that we, that we have this idea of, and, um, with so many different parts of, of being, um, a parent to a more exceptional needs child, but, um, just daily application that we can start to do at a, at a young age, you know, this doesn't have to be, Oh, we've, we're even going to wait until, you know, like Blaine, like they're 10 years old. And, and now we're at a part where, you know, they kind of really have their own idea. Um, uh, I, so I like this. I like, I mean, this movement can start so, so young and so early on into the diagnosis, you know, um, which is huge and can be huge for these kids. So, um, tell us really quickly the name of your book, Sheena. Yeah. So I actually, so the power of the note, um, is what I wrote about two years ago and that's everything as far as this framework that I was talking about. So there's, there's observation, there's communication, there's progress. Progress is like probably, I mean, not the, the most important, but that's, and anyone can write up a program. So when you, if you're a parent and you're seeking out a program, like if you're not going to administer movement and you're looking for someone to administer some type of movement program, progress is key. You know, so within the book, it's social progress, it's behavioral progress, and it's actual physical progress. And then beyond that is motivation. So it's a whole child approach but the idea is that it's a framework. So regardless if you're administering this in your home, if you're actually or going to a fitness IEP, facility, right. and your IEP, your occupational therapist, your classroom teacher, there's something – and two, with the framework, it's not that you have to do the whole thing and, and that's what's going to yield success. It may be as a classroom teacher, for example, um, you can take just one component of it and that's going to revolutionize what you're doing in the classroom. Um, so that, and, and with the power of a, with the power of a note, you're actually seeing this all unfold in the story of Blaine. Right. Okay. So that's that book. And then the most recent book that I wrote is I, it's part of the, I can series. And so the first book is I can jump rope. And so really now we're, we're actually meeting another child, um, named Charlie and we're going through now that that framework is in place how can we actually meet these specific milestones? So in this case, it's the jump rope. And as we talked about a little bit early on, like there, I was enamored by parents too, where, okay, they're learning this in gym class and I could just feel just such heaviness and in two from the child too, like what's communicated in gym class potentially is I'm not good enough. Everyone else can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm useless type of thing. So using um, using the framework to meet that milestone. It's, it's going to show you um, different regressions and how we're actually going to look at and implement much different. So for example, looking at a jump rope, we might not even consider a jump rope to be a jump rope in this, in this situation. We might look at a jump rope as a snake, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have some figurative things going on, lots of play, and we're going to... Uh, so I can jump rope actually includes a 12 week program as well. So you, you can actually just see what that progress that, component looks like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So both of these books um, can be found on Amazon. Okay. That's probably the easiest, easiest place. place. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we're all like, oh, no more Amazon, but really. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. So the, I can jump rope. Uh, there's an ebook version that can be found on EliteFTS.com. Okay. Um, and then also the power of a note can be found on bookbaby.com. Okay. So there you have options and then um, 
I can jump rope is in paperback and in Kindle form on Amazon. So if you wanted to abort the whole Amazon, you can. So parents <laughs> being able to go out and, and purchase this book and and it is a, a there is some guidance for them and a, and a, and a program and a step to, to help their child get into that you know, into the mode of that, no matter what age they are, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's going to show you exactly what to do. Um, and then too, if you're as a parent, you're not in the position that you're going to administer it, you're going to have a wealth of knowledge and know that something like this exists and has right. been tried and true. And how many li- also with this last book, like uh, granted within this past conversation, we talked about Blaine for a bit of time, right. but for the, I can jump rope, I probably give maybe 15 you're going to meet like 15 other children. Right. Yeah. And you're going to see exactly how they benefit benefited from it and and how that looked. So you're going to see multiple perspectives, but as that parent, you're going to know, oh, this exists. My expectations were maybe really low. And now when I walk into that fitness facility, um, I know what I want. And if, if perhaps there's a lot of people out there too, I, I, just within the industry that I'm in, I come across with very high end coaches and whatnot, and they'll contact me and they'll say, what do I do? Someone just walked in my door. They're autistic. They want a power lift mm-hmm. and they just don't have the tools. So they read these books and they're like, oh, now I have, now I have something to work with. And they realize like their approach is pretty, it's close to how they approach, uh, their neurotypical clients, but it's just, it's, uh, you know, just we're just a, turning that dial just a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the then the whole point of my whole spiel is you know habitually getting our kids moving as young as they can. So when we think about brushing our teeth or you know going to the bathroom, those things that we just have to do that we're also including. Oh, I have to walk, mm-hmm. or I have to go lift weights. It's just mm-hmm. it's just what I do, and, mm-hmm. and seeing the benefits of it. Ooh. I love it. I love it. It's so, it is so important. I, I, I mean, again, Shannon and I are, you know, exercise nerds. So, I mean, maybe we're just geeked out on this more than some, but, um, there is such, there's such a, you know, like we said, period, it doesn't matter who you are, neurodivergent, neuro, neurotypical, you know, male, female, whoever, it doesn't matter, child, adult, um, movement is imperative movement through our, through our whole life is imperative. It's, it's how we stay alive. It's how we stay healthy. It's how we have all of those neurons firing in our brain. Um, but for our kids, especially, and for the people who don't have this, don't naturally gravitate towards this kind of lifestyle. This is something that, you know, they can implement and now it can become something that they even do together with their child, you know, um, where, where they're maybe finding this as a, as a, as a commonality, they're both working on this together, um, and, and growing not only just their relationship, but, um, a, as a family unit, you know, having this power of movement together. Um, so it's just huge. It's just huge. Sheena, you're the best. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. How do we how do we reach you? Not how do we reach you because we know how to reach you. How does everybody else reach you? <laughs> yeah, the easiest. So I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Sheena Freedom. Okay. Um, I can also my email uh, Leadum L E E D H A M I N C at gmail dot com. Okay. And um, perhaps in your show notes, uh, I have articles on Elite FTS that are, uh, we have a special needs uh, platform, so to speak. So I have many articles on there. Uh, that's, that would be the best way to, to contact me one of those, yeah. one of those and, ways. And we will put all of this in um, the show notes and we will also hopefully have you on Instagram during the week of your episode launch <laughs> to share more detailed things. Um, but I do want to say for any of the neurotypical uh, audience out there who is a coach or a teacher or just any of you out there, um, please, please, please consider getting Sheena's books. <laughs> So we can actually have better inclusion um, in in sports and classrooms and and all of that. I think that's such a huge, you know, component. Um, you know, especially like talking about Jack and just not feeling the level of being able to fit in, but also not 
you know, the coach not being able to not necessarily understanding how to connect with Jack. So that, mm-hmm. that's a huge, that's a huge part of it. Um, okay. Off my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> Sheena, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Um, Shannon, do you have anything you would like to say, my dear? No, I love that. And except for some of you who are like, what are show notes? If you guys click on the episode and you scroll down, <laughs> the summary of the show is the show notes. That's the technical term for it. So just wherever your podcast is, click on the episode, scroll down a little bit. It'll have a description, but we'll have all the links and all stuff the links, there yeah. in that yes. section. Yeah. Amen, girlfriend. Amen. Um, okay. Well, we are going to say goodbye Thank you, thank you, thank you again, Sheena, for being on. Um, for all of you out there, we again will have the 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 links to follow Sheena to go um, stalk her and ask her all the questions. Um, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, all the things that you can do. Stars, five of them. Uh, <laughs> feedback, if it's good, we want it. If it's not, then you know what's the email address, Shannon? Uh, kick rocks at momstalkautism.com. Uh huh. And yes. for those of you that want to say nice things or want to ask more questions, we are hello at momstalkautism.com <laughs> and our Instagram is at momstalkautism. Uh, all right, ladies, say goodbye. <laughs> There's so much anticipation there. Like, I didn't know what you were going to say. Bye, guys. Bye.